I've known our guest speaker today since 1972. Uh, we haven't stayed in touch that whole time by any stretch, but I have fond memories of time that we did spend. Um, Dina Mitchell was a nurse for 15 years, and most of that time was an ICU nurse. She stopped nursing 10 years ago, didn't really belong to a church consistently till three years ago, and in that time has moved to the position for the last six months of being the director of the prayer ministry at First Methodist Church here in Shreveport. A lot of us have long connections with First Methodist Church. So um, I want to welcome Dina, and why don't you all help me welcome her? I'm so excited to be here today, and I thank you so much for having me. Um, it's hard to come in here and tell you, oh, I'm the director of prayer ministry, when <laughs> you're saying, well, you haven't been in church very long, lady. <laughs> but um, a little over a year ago, uh, we were members at Noel Methodist, and I was involved with a citywide Bible study um, that was an interdenominational thing, and met all kinds of people, and just, it was a wonderful experience, and um, somewhere along that path, I got very interested in prayer. And I went to my uh, church and, you know, started talking about really wanting to start a prayer ministry. And, you know, when God stirs something up in you, it really makes you scratch your head when nobody else is responding, <laughs> you know. It, it, you get a big question mark there. Uh, but that church was in the midst of doing a lot of studies on what path they wanted to go down, doing a lot of planning for new programs. And so the timing was, it wasn't that they didn't care about prayer by long, by any means, but it was just the timing, I think. Um, but I had discussed this with a lady that I knew at the Bible study, and um, she was a member at First Methodist. And the summer went by, and we lost touch, and September rolls around, and all of a sudden I got a call from her, and she said, well, How's that going for you, getting your prayer ministry going? And I just laughed. I said, I, I just don't think it's going to happen right now. And she said, well, how about coming and doing it for us? And, uh, you know, I was just, I have thought, hmm, <laughs> it never even occurred to me that it would be somewhere else. Um, Jody Thurman was her name. I don't know if any of you know her, but she's a delightful lady, and she's the one that kind of, you know, opened that door for me. And it just reminds me that, God has a plan for everyone's life, and sometimes it takes, you may have the right idea, but it may take a little different path than what you think it's going to take. Um, but when I interviewed for that position, and uh, I felt like everything was falling into place. And I wanted to talk to anyone who's just sort of got at a crossroads in their life right now, is looking at making a change or going in a new direction, and to just uh, ask you to think about a few things that... Um, if you're sure that the idea that you've got is a good one and you think it's God prompting you to do it and the circumstances are in place, there's a, a need for it and it makes good sense, and the people that are supporting it are godly people, then that gives you a lot of harmony, I think, in, in your decision-making. 
And um, I think that you can be certain that you're going in a good direction. So after a lot of prayer and a lot of heartache, because it's very hard to walk away from people that you love, uh, I moved, changed churches, and started this ministry, and I just love it. Um, I love prayer. Um, It saved my sanity. It restored my faith, and it has strengthened me through some times that uh, were really leaving me crushed a little bit. And when you find something that revives your spirit that way, you grab hold and you don't let go. Um, and I also wanted to just kind of start off because I want to define how I use that word prayer and uh, how it differs from what I consider meditation. And this may be totally opposite to the way some of you feel and think, so that's why I'm clarifying when I'm using the word what it means to me. In Christian meditation, a lot of times our focus is on scripture. Uh, we meditate on scripture. We meditate on uh, the acts of God. And we meditate on um, creation. Um, but it's very much focusing and centering into um, things, you know, whether it's, 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 it's tangible things, I think. And that is versus uh, a definition of prayer that. Um, I would lend to say that it's more like a conversation with God. It's uh, talking and listening because I talk to him, he talks back, you know, that kind of thing. And I know that in some religions you label that just entirely opposite where that sounds more like a meditative thing than a prayer thing. So I just wanted you to know when I'm using those terms what it means coming out of my mouth. Um, and the biggest question I think that you have to ask is who are you praying to? Can you define who your God is? Uh, because this definitely, you know, has a, a bearing on what kind of response you're going to get from him when you pray. And um, I think that if you know there is a God and you don't know him very well, prayer is a great way to get to know him because you can just start asking him, who are you? And he'll start telling you. And don't be surprised. Just expect the unexpected because he's going to talk back to you in ways that mankind cannot duplicate. And you'll know who it is that you're talking to. Um, That, for me, is the primary source of communication with God. And it's a love relationship for me. Uh, It's just, it's like a flirtation. It's my praying in response to his prodding, I think, is, is how it goes. And it's kind of like him saying, turn around and pay attention to me. Let's talk. Um, but a lot of times it's mostly initiated by him, and it doesn't just come from me. Um, I think that there's a lot of times in this life that people are going to be in great crisis before they ever attempt to pray. And when I talk about crisis, I'm talking about those times in your life where you may um, be all alone in a room and asking out loud, why is this happening to me? You don't have the answer, and you may be praying, and you don't even know it, because if you're lifting that question up, you're lifting it up to someone other than yourself. Um, And also to be in circumstances that are beyond your control and to be looking for help that no humankind can give. Uh, you're, You're finding that you have a need for something that is supernatural rather than natural. And I do believe that there's three reasons, three big reasons, uh, why we're not in relationship with God sometimes. And I know that they affected my life in a huge way. And I'll share them with you uh, because I think they're really easy to, to uh, pinpoint. Even if you're drifting in and out of a relationship with him, a lot of times it's going to be guilt, 
pride and fear. Those are the three biggest things that keep you out of contact with God. And a lot of times it's guilt from your past about um, feeling bad about decisions you've made, uh, looking at your failures, and feeling like you're not worthy to be in relationship with him. And I think a lot of times we have uh, pride in the present uh, where it's, it's simply a matter of feeling so in control when things are going well. And it's a, just truly a false sense of security because we're never really in control of much of anything. And the third one is fear of the future. <laughs> and I, I love that one because it's fear of change. Because once you get in a relationship with God, he's going to start asking you to do things, change things, act differently, uh, require things of you or ask of you things that you might not be willing to do. Therefore, it's easier just to say, no, nah, I don't need that. You know, we like what we have. We want to stay the way we are. Um, I have a good friend named Mike Leonard who uh, says you can tell a lot about a person uh, from two things, uh, how they spend their time and where they spend their money. And I have to turn in guilt a lot of times and look over my shoulder when I'm shopping to make sure Mike's not standing behind me somewhere to, to be taking notes on that. Um, but all of these things have affected my life and my relationship with God, um, tearing down some barriers and getting to know him. I have a, a friend named Dr. Terry Takel who writes books and teaches a lot about prayer, and uh, he's made a, a big difference for me. And his latest book that's out, I thought just, it just made me laugh because it was so true. Uh, he stated that sometimes before we have a spiritual awakening, awakening we have to have a rude awakening. And I think there's, that's true for a lot of people. Even if we start to backslide in practicing our faith, um, something will come along to just kind of give us a little kick and say, okay, you need to get busy. Um, but it's in the midst of these crises that we're having um, that God just simply wants us to turn to him. I think he just loves us so much um, that he wants that relationship to be alive and, and he wants it to be uh, very important uh, in our list of priorities. I know that when we go to pray, um, it's a lot about listening and not so much about talking to him. But asking the right questions of him sometimes is very important because what we tell him, he already knows. That's the way I feel. He, he knows everything about me. There's nothing I can say to him that he doesn't already have figured out. So prayer for me is more about getting to know his heart because he already knows mine. Um, it's taking the opportunity to tell him I love him. And I don't do that just by saying I love you. I tell him why I love him. And for a lot of people, you can put this under the list of adoration and praise. Um, because when I open prayer with him, um, I do start telling him that. I, I tell him the reasons that I think he's so wonderful. Um, and for me, those can be things like you're my creator, you're loving and you're kind and you're you're powerful and you're holy and um, you're my healer, my protector, my rescuer, uh, all of those things. And that glorifies him. I think even in your personal relationships, you like to be told why you're loved, not just, not just that you're loved, but I love you because. Um, and be able to say that to him. And I think it just helps you grow with him uh, to be able to say out loud to him or at least... Um, and your thoughts to him, what he means to you, and who he is to you. Um, and I also have to ask him uh, a lot of times to forgive the things that I do that, that aren't so glorifying to him, and hopes that he'll teach me to do better. 
and uh, to do things his way and not my way. Um, At the end of the day, (laughs) I can say that there's three simple rules in this world that most people, most people can can uh, come to grips with, and it's do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And I think that if at the end of your day you've broken any of those rules, that's a good time to talk to him and, and let him show you. Sometimes sometimes I've gone to him and I said, God, I did so good today. Look what I did. And he'll look back at me and he say, yeah, but Dina, look whose toes you stepped on to do that good thing. So sometimes it's really good to, to have that evaluation at the end of the day of, where you are in your relationship with him and how you're carrying that out into the world. And I thank him. I thank him for hearing me. I thank him for answering my prayers. I thank him for the blessings that are in my life, for the people that he's brought into my life, and for the places he's put me. And those are just wonderful times to then stop and just listen to what he has to say to me. Um, and I also make requests of him. Um, I have a lot of needs. Everybody has needs. And I do believe that that's one of the reasons he's there, because he wants to fulfill all of our needs. And that's something he loves to do for us. It's no different than a a parent wants to do for their child. Uh, If there's something they want in their life, there's just next to nothing that we won't do to try to get it for them and and try to do for them. And that's the kind of love relationship that I feel there. Um, So I'm not ever afraid to go to him and say, you know, I'm not having a good day. This is happening. My relationships are messing up. Um, I just don't feel good about things. And asking for his guidance and and, um, for a little bit of everything that um, he just wants to give us good things. He wants to heal our diseases and he wants to straighten out our bad thoughts. And he, he just wants to be our guide and our comforter. He wants to give us his knowledge and his strength and his wisdom and courage. Uh, and those are the things that we can take that empower us through prayer. The more he teaches us, it empowers us to go out and do better and to have, live a better life. Um, I think he also wants us to pray very specifically sometimes. If you need a job, tell him what kind of job you're looking for. If, you're, if, if your arthritis is hurting today, tell him where it's hurting and how bad it's hurting and ask him to, to take away the pain. Um, if you're depressed and discouraged, just tell him those things and, and ask him to, to heal you from those feelings. And if you're depressed and you don't know why you're depressed, ask him that too because he has the answer. He can show you what you don't know. Um, and as your prayer life matures, uh, it comes... A lot less about talking to him about yourself and, and about talking to him about other people. And I think that uh, comes under the heading of intercessory prayer. And it's just having a compassion in your heart for what's going on in other people's lives and for circumstances in our world. And um, when we feel so powerless, it's recognizing that there is a supernatural power that has power that we don't have. And it's just in, just asking him to step in. Uh, to other people's lives. Um, a lot of times it's things you observe about someone that may, and, and a lot of times it's people will come and tell you, I need prayer. I'm, I'm just, you know, this is, my relationships are going badly. My marriage is falling apart. I can't meet my bills. Whatever those things are, I'm never afraid to take any of those requests to God. I think anything that I see that is godly uh, request and uh, not outside the bounds of something I believe in, I don't think he's going to say no. Um, And when he does, he has a good reason that I can't see. I think one of the uh, 
neatest examples um, for prayer actually is in the Bible, and it refers to Jesus. And uh, it shows him as an example where he prayed to God about himself, about their relationship. And then he prayed for his disciples, asking for God's love and protection for them. And I think one of the most beautiful things that he prayed was for the generations not yet born. I have a grandson on the way in a couple of weeks, (laughs) and he's in my prayers already, too. Um, And prayers aren't always about words, I'll have to say. Uh, We have so many types of prayer that have nothing to do with words. We have things called silent prayer. We have our prayers of silence, which is not about just praying words silently, but it's about being in silence, silencing your mind. Uh, We have what we call centering prayer. We have... Um, examples of contemplative prayer um, and a prayer of tears. And I think that's one of the most beautiful prayers a person prays, and sometimes they don't even know they're in prayer when they do it. Um, but it's there's a story in, uh, in Isaiah in the Old Testament about a king named Hezekiah. And God came to this king and he said, you need to get your affairs in order, get your house in order because you're going to die. And Hezekiah was devastated and he said, well, God, I've I've been so good and so faithful. I'm just, you know, I'm devastated that that my life is going to end. And those were the only words that he spoke. But then it says on his sickbed, he turned his face to the wall and he cried. And God came back to him and he said, Hezekiah, I've heard your words and I've seen your tears. And I'm going to add 15 years to your life. That's a beautiful thing that he doesn't... um, Look and just hear what we're saying. He knows our hearts. He knows every hair on your head. And I think he counts the number of tears that we cry. I had a really good friend uh, who's also a teacher for me. His name was Ron Waylander. Uh, I don't know if any of you knew him. He was the head of the physical therapy department at Willis-Knighton. And Ron had uh, skin cancer. And it was metastasized everywhere. I mean, it was into the brain, into the lungs, everywhere that it could go. And um, he was a man who just, I just really admired him because he always walked the walk that he said he believed in. And those people are very rare, I think. Um, Not unheard of, but very rare sometimes. (laughs) Um, And so I had gotten close to them in a short period of time, and uh, he'd gone out to MD Anderson. Uh, He has a wife, Terry, and uh, two sons that were like 30 and 32 years old. And I went out to MD Anderson when Ron was getting some of his cancer treatment, and it was just really hard to see what was happening. It was just very uncomfortable for him, these treatments were. And some of them had to do with just, like, had a tube that went directly into the lining of his lungs, and uh, they would bring these syringes in, and they'd have to lavage and then put this medication, directing it, you know, injecting it directly into the lung space there, and then taking it back out and... Uh, but when that medicine would come, um, he and his wife and I, and uh, if there was a doctor or a nurse in the room or anyone who wanted to participate in the prayer, Ron would take, have them put these syringes sort of in his lap, and we would lock fingers, you know, just touch fingers like this, and we would pray over the medicine before it was given to him. We'd pray for it to be effective. We'd pray for the side effects to be minimal and pray for a cure for him. And it was just always so beautiful and emotional. And and just, you know, as time moved on, you can't help but see the picture that's happening in front of you that you might not get that miracle. And 
Ron didn't get that cure in this lifetime. Um, but he came back to Shreveport, and when he was in the hospital here, there would be friends and family that would come in and out of his room and just sit at the bedside and pray for him, you know, for his pain, uh, for things like that. And on one of these occasions, um, he started to speak. And, of course, he was very, very weak, and you could barely understand him. And someone leaned in to hear what he was saying. And it was the most beautiful thing because he was praying for the people that were in the room praying for him. And I think, wow, that that is just that is just really one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Um, when he died, um, his wife had gotten this really beautiful sympathy card, and you know, <laughs> you think you can't be touched anymore, and then something rolls in the door that was purchased at the dime store, you know, kind of thing. But it had the most beautiful quote on it, and it said, Your life will not go unnoticed, for I will notice it. Your life will not go unwitnessed, for I'll be a witness to it. And he was someone that had lived out his faith uh, very strongly in front of me. Um, after he had passed away, I also learned uh, that he had had a skin lesion. He'd had a skin cancer 15 years earlier. And... Sometimes I wonder if we miss the miracle. Sometimes I wonder if our perspective is so small (laughs) that we didn't see the bigger picture from what God was seeing. That he had 15 years in between those two bouts of cancer uh, and was able to raise his sons and live a really full life. And um, it left me wondering if, if I'm looking for the answers on my terms or if I'm seeing them on God's terms. Um. For me, uh, prayer is just centered on a God that exists in three ways. And I know not everybody uh, believes that same thing. And sometimes I have to explain it because when I talk, if, it's just to help you understand where I'm coming from sometimes. Um, for me, God exists as, as a father and creator, as the son in Jesus Christ, and also as uh, the Holy Spirit. And for me, that's just like water. Uh, it's just, you know, it's there in three forms. It's, it's a gas, it's a liquid, it's a solid, but it's all the same substance. And so that's how my perception of God is, uh, that he exists in these three forms. Uh, each has a purpose and a distinct personality and distinct traits about them, but it's all one being. So um, for me, seeing prayer is just like tapping into the Holy Spirit, and that's the power of God that's available to every believer it's a it's a heart thing and it's a mind thing and i believe that he works through us in body mind and spirit i think the more we pray um especially for others that it it lifts our minds to god our focus goes to him and out instead of just towards ourselves and so i think the more you pray the more it changes you And it changes other things around you. It changes other people's lives. It changes their circumstances. Uh, John Wesley had written uh, that God doesn't act except in response to prayer. And that really puts a burden of prayer on on me, I know, on all of us as individuals, if that's the truth. Um, We have a phone line at the prayer room. And on Sundays when the program is televised, it goes across the bottom of the screen and we get occasional calls, not not a lot. Um, and a few times we'll have members of the church calling in because they know someone's about to go to surgery or that kind of thing. 
and I was in the prayer room one day just during the week and um, taking just care of a few tasks and just had this unsettled feeling. And just down the hall from there is a little prayer chapel. It's just a small little round room. And I went down to pray and thought, well, maybe I just, you know, maybe that's what I'm just needing to do right now. And that didn't help. <laughs> I got on my knees and I was just like trying to come up with words. And it's just like, this is not going anywhere. And then I just kind of had that little still small voice that said, why don't you just sit down and listen? <laughs> so I did. I just sat in a chair and um, had my hand just kind of like this. And um, just felt this heat, I guess you could call it, just an intense heat right, just right in the center of my palm. And I thought, well, that's weird. It's, it's a nice weird. So I just stayed there and just, you know, just experienced that. And no big deal. I got up and left and uh, went back into the prayer room. And the phone rang. And it was a young woman on the phone. And I don't know if you've ever heard desperation in someone's voice. But she was suicidal. I mean, it was, it was very evident to me the moment I picked up the phone by what she said. When a young person starts their sentence by saying, if it weren't for my daughter, I don't think I'd be here. You're in a place that, that's a hard, those are hard shoes to be in right there. <laughs> and so immediately I started asking God to give me words because I didn't know how to handle that over, you know, that kind of a call. Uh, when I was an ICU nurse, my patients were in the bed. We could restrain them. We had them on heart monitors. They couldn't leave. You know, we, we knew exactly what was going on with them. This is a whole different thing when you have someone on the other end of the line that you don't know. You don't know anything about them. You can just hear in their voice, though, that their life is in jeopardy right then. And it was beautiful. And it turned out to be a very beautiful experience because in that asking God to give me words and, and wisdom in that conversation with her, I learned enough about her to talk to her, um, learned that she grew up in church, and she really hadn't been out of it that long, but she she was one of those people that had made some wrong turns and thought she didn't belong there anymore. And in the course of our conversation, she said, well, I just wondered if somebody could pray for me. And I said, sure, I'll pray for you. And so we had prayer over the phone, and her voice just started to mellow and relax. And I asked her... You know, if you grew up in the Christian church, most of you have learned the Lord's Prayer, uh, something that you memorize, <laughs> and it's something that um, is a way to connect you back to a point in your life, I think, where you had a good relationship or you were feeling differently than you feel right at that moment of crisis. And so I just asked her, do you remember it? Would you like to say it? And she said, well, I don't think I know it anymore. And I said, well, how about if I say a line, and then you just repeat a line after me? And so after about three lines of praying that way, she was joining me instead of coming behind me. And it was just uh, such an answer to my prayer for God to give that kind of guidance and an answer for her prayer because her whole attitude was different when we hung up that phone. And I think if you don't pray, that alone is a great reason to learn how. <laughs> Because you may find somebody in this world that needs prayer. And uh, you may be the only person standing there that can provide it for them right when they need it. Um, This is Memorial Day weekend. And I have to say, I just um, have so many memories. I had my my grandfather served in World War I. And I have stories of his flying through my mind today. had two uncles that served in World War II. And um, friends of my daughter's uh, that survived roadside bombings in Iraq, and I just I want to say thank you to all those people who have served. 
um, and ask you to do the same. And I thank you, Barbara, for bringing that into the service today. It was beautiful. I heard uh, Dr. Day, uh, the pastor at my church, at a funeral one time, uh, speak these words that the secret to a good life is to become wise before you become old. And I thought, that not that powerful? <laughs> and I thank God for you. And my prayer for you is that um, he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better and that you'll be richly blessed with his love and his peace and his hope. And thank you for having me today.